Thank you very much, uh, guys, for letting me speak to you today. It's a bit of a hard one to follow from last week, uh, Tom getting his head shaved um, and the belt of the Christian preached. It's a bit of a hard one to follow, um, but here we, here we go anyway. Um, to be honest with you, I've actually found writing this talk quite difficult. Um, I've, been, I've hard just found it hard getting down into words what I'm really trying to say, because what I'm speaking on today has been going through my, my mind for weeks, for months, it's been what God has been personally saying to, saying to me. And trying to get that down has been a bit of a minefield in my thoughts. Um, but basically, this is, I think this is an important thing for us to hear as a church as well. And it links a lot in with the, what Christian said the other day about leaning in. How are we leaning into God as a church, as individuals? How are we leaning in into him? So I'm at that stage in my life, you know, start of career. Um, I'm only 22 Basically, the world is my oyster, as they say. You know, I could, my life could take, me, could take me anywhere. And I've been thinking a lot about, about vision. What is the future for me? What is my part to play in the advancement of God's kingdom? What does that mean for my job? What does that mean um, for where I live? What does, what, frankly, I don't know. What does that mean? And I've been looking at, a lot at that. But the problem is, I'm the kind of character, or maybe it's just an age thing, where I want... I want what I'm supposed to be at 30 now. That's what I want. When I'm 30, I want it now. I don't know, for the older, older generation, is that you as well? Does it keep going when you're 30, you want when you're 40? When 40, you want when you're 50? When 50, you want when you were 30? And <laughs> is, is that the way it works? Is, maybe it's just me, but I look forward and be, what I, want, what I see then, I want now. I want now. So above everything else, above, above vision, um, and what God can do. What God has really been teaching me is, son, you need to start building. You need to start building your foundations. Yet yeah, life is going to take you some mad places. I don't know, I could be back in Northern Ireland for all I know, but life is going to take me places and I need to concentrate now on getting my foundations right. And I think that's timely for us as a church as, as we're growing quite quickly um, and we're looking forward to see what the next step is for G2. We need to concentrate on building our foundations in the right place. So as a disclaimer, I am no expert in this. I'm not standing here with a wealth of experience. I'm not standing here with practical examples of how we can do this. I am in no way your perfect example of how to follow or to follow and how to build foundations in, in God and in Christ. What I am is I'm, I'm just a young kid with a lot of vision. You know, I'm a young kid that sees potential in this room, sees potential in, in every single one of you collectively and individually. And if you, honestly, I'm going to say this, if you don't believe that, if you don't believe there's potential in, in you, I'm telling you now there is. There's God-given talents within you, God-given gifts, that the potential in you for the advancement of the kingdom of God is, is staggering, frankly. So what we're going to look at today is, is that building our foundations right. Let's build, set our foundations in the right place so that wherever our lives take us, whether we're rich, whether we're poor, whether we're, we have five houses, whether we're homeless, whether we live in Africa or in middle-class England, um, we just need to learn to set our foundations right. So um, let's pray before we do that. Yeah, God, um, we ask you now to, to come by your spirit and teach us, God. Let us be open to what you have to say. Let us be open to, to what you want to do today. God, I pray that your spirit comes and changes us. 
changes us that we might glorify you better. Amen. So we're going to be jumping in and out of Samson's story. It's uh, Judges 13. It starts at, I think it's page 175. If I'm wrong, sorry. But Samson, there was a guy with a lot of potential. I mean, like serious potential. We learned last week about Naz- or Samson being set apart as a Nazarite from birth. We learned that it's normally a 30-day thing that people sort of voluntarily take on, but We read in Judges 13 verse 7 that he was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from the moment of his birth to the day of his death. This was a pretty special, special thing to do. It wasn't wasn't common. So from day one, Samson was set apart to to be dedicated to God. His birth was foretold by an angel. And I don't know about you, but my birth wasn't foretold by an angel. I may be an angel in my mother's eyes, but it wasn't foretold. And never mind foretold twice. The angel came back twice for Samson. So from day one, from birth, this guy was set out with great potential. Um, let's look at verse 24. It says, when her son was born, she named him Samson. And the Lord blessed him as he grew up. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. I looked up the, uh, the definition of of blessed today. Um, it's one of those things we say a lot, you know, we, we just sung it in that song. Um, so I reckon it was important to find out what it actually meant. Interestingly enough, as I was looking this up, Christian texted me saying, bless you today, Gav. I was like, oh, that's funny. I'm just, uh, just looking up the definition of it. And he replied, the definition of being blessed is finding a 20 pound note in your jacket pocket. <laughs> that is our vicar, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> But he was only joking, as I can tell you. But I looked up the definition of blessed. And one of the definitions of it is to invoke divine favour upon something. So if you call in blessing upon something, that is to call divine favour upon something. To appeal or to call for divine favour. Isn't that just amazing? That little verse where it says, and the Lord blessed him as he grew up. So what God's doing here is he is heaping his favour upon Samson. He is heaping his favour of the creator of this, this earth, this universe, upon Samson here. Now, the, the favour of God isn't about, it isn't about money. It isn't about getting your own way. It isn't about having easier circumstances. That's not what Samson was getting here. What he was being given was the kindness of God in his sovereignty. It was about the grace of God being heaped upon Simon, or Samson, Simon. Now, I may be wrong, but I've never read anywhere in the Bible about the favour of God being used selfishly, self, I can't even say it, selfishly, that's what I'm trying to say. I've never read anywhere where people get the favour of God upon them and then they hide it in themselves. They go in the room and be like, yes, favour of God, that's what I've got. (laughs) See, the favour of God is meant to be shared it's meant to be, to be used in a way that draws people in towards God. To me, the favour of God is a signpost. If you have been given the favour of God in, in your workplace, among your friends, that is a sign to point back towards God. So Samson here is being heaped with the favour of God because he is being set up to lead Israel for 20 years and to point people back towards God. That's what Samson's birth and, and as he was growing up, that was, was what was happening to Samson. So we see this, that he is being set up. Both physically, we see his strength, and spiritually, he is being set up 
to lead the Israelites. But poor Samson seems to get caught out. See, he seems to get so concentrated on this, I'm physically strong. You know, I'm strong. But that, he, that he misses out on the spiritual aspect of being blessed. The spiritual aspect of having that favour upon him. The spiritual aspect of leading the Israelites. He put his, 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 sort of, his focus on that strength. And he, he didn't really see anything else. You know, I'm Samson. I've got the strength. I don't got any problems. Come on, guys. Did you see me? Those Philistines are running scared. I made a donkey of a thousand of them with a donkey. Nothing, and I mean nothing, has got a hold of me. Hey there, Delilah. <laughs> Whoo, what's it like in the Sorek Valley? You're a million miles away, girl, but tonight you look so pretty as you do. <laughs> so here's Samson, he's off inspiring songs by the plain white tees, and he, he misses, he misses the point. He just misses the point. He misses the he fails to address the problems in his life, as I've just demonstrated. He had a, he had a woman, womanizing problem, and he was putting strength in the physical. He missed that, that spiritual aspect of the favor of God. He put his foundation in his own physical strength. See, strength is not in how much we can lift. For me, it's not much. Paul Millard, we were going to have a strongman competition. Paul Millard, Steve Askew, who would win? <laughs> Strength is not in how much you can lift. Strength is not in your physical makeup. It's not in how smart you are. It's not in how much money you're given. It's, how much, it's not in, in how much influence you have. It's not in the power you have. It's not in the position that you've been put in. It's not how many people you lead. Strength is not taking things in your stride. It is not... Uh, how much stress or how much pressure you can take. It's not acting tough when, you know, thinking you can do it all. Strength is not about me. Strength is in my other weakness. Strength is, is when I can't go on. Um, strength is, is when I've nothing left. Strength is when I'm, I'm on my own, I'm in my bedroom and I'm crying in front of the Lord. Strength's when I realise I'm weak. It's when I realise it's not about me. It's when I get out of my own way and let the Lord do what he wants. It's when I, when I sit in, in his presence, bringing myself problems and all. Coming in complete abandonment before the Lord. Worshipping my socks off and on my knees in prayer. And Samson seemed to, seemed to forget this. The whole way through his life, he, he, put the, he put the emphasis on his physical power, his physical strength. And it's, it's a sad thing, when he finally clocked this, um, it was the end of his life. When he, finally, when he finally clocked that it wasn't his strength, is he got captured by the Philistines, his hair was cut, his eyes were gouged out, he was put to work grinding, grinding corn, and then the Philistines have this party and they, they invite all the rulers of the day and they bring Samson out and chain him up for the sole purpose to make fun of him. That was the sole purpose in, in bringing Samson out. So here's Samson, he's physically weak. 
He doesn't have a strength. He's chained up. He's blind. He's emotionally weak. He's being made fun of. That's the reason he's there is to be poked fun of. He's made a bit of a fool of himself walking, walking around with this cocky attitude for years and now he's, he, he's, he's nothing. And he's spiritually weak because he's just realised that he's, he's just messed this up. And it's at this moment that, that Samson calls, calls upon God. It's in chapter 17. Um, he calls upon God and sovereign Lord, remember me again. Strengthen me just one last time that I may pay back the Philistines. And it's at this moment in his complete weakness that, that he does the most significant thing in his life. He, he takes out more of the Philistine rulers than he, than he ever has before. And it was, it was from utter weakness. It, it's, it's actually a really sad end of the story. See, it begs the question, why do we leave it to the last minute? Why do we leave sort of everything else has gone wrong? Uh, let's pray. Like, why is, why is that the last thing we go to? See, the saddest thing about the story of Samson was that he looked around at everything God was doing and he missed God. He got so caught up in, this is what God's doing. Look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this, that he missed the relationship that he had with God. He didn't address that in himself. He didn't address that that was the foundation of his work. <laughs> so there's a, a, a question for you guys. and Try and answer it honestly. Do you get caught up, so caught up in what God is doing? The, the amazing things, and don't get me wrong, the amazing things that God is doing, that you miss the personal relationship with God. See, the things that God, God does, these lives being changed, the healings, your money coming in at the last minute, when, when you need it, the breakthroughs every day, um, the, the favour being thrown upon you in your job and among your friends, all of that is meant to point towards God. Like I said earlier, there are signposts to the Creator. They're to draw people in and they're to glorify God. Let's look at the greatest commandment that, that Jesus gave. A guy comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, what is, what is the greatest commandment? We've had all these laws, but what is the greatest commandment? So at this point, Jesus can say whatever he wants. <laughs> you know, someone asks him, free reign, tell me, what is it I have to do? What is your greatest commandment to me? Jesus is in free reign. He could say whatever he wants. He could stand there and go, you know what, I need you to serve at church four times a week, give me all your money, and you need to work about this hard for me. That is the greatest commandment of all. But he doesn't. In a position that God can ask anything of us, he says, love me with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Love me. He could have got anything he wanted in that moment. He could have asked anything. And all he asked from us was, love me. I want to know you personally. I want to sit with you. I want to cry with you. I want to smile with you. I want to laugh with you. Like I am so proud of you and everything you do. The way you serve me is great. But the most important thing to me is this. It's you and me. That is the most important thing to me. I just want you to love me. Because I love you more than you can even comprehend. 
Now, please don't get me wrong. Um, serving in church, serving in your life, serving in X number of places is a great thing. But let's remember that we, that we are blessed to be a blessing and it's not the other way around. It's not we do X number of things so that we can come into the presence of God and be blessed. Is we sit in the presence of God. We sit in his favour. We sit and let him change us. And from there, that is where we go on to serve. That is where we go on to change lives. That is where we go on to point people back towards Jesus. The most important thing to God is the relationship that he has with you. Guys, the potential in this room is staggering. Um, both young and old, everyone here is, is destined to do great things with God. But the only way that that is sustainable, the only way that we will stop burning out, the only way that we can keep going in this race we call life, is if we do it from a place of intimacy from, with God. Is that we do it with a place where our foundations are firmly in the presence of God. Um, I know I'm running out of, of time here. And I want to have a good response to this. A good time of worship and, and prayer in, in the presence of God. Um, but I just want to tell you two stories from the Bible. Um, of guys that, guys that seem to get this right. Seem to get the, the concentrated so much on, on God. And the relationship between them, and weren't distracted by all the things that were happening. Um, the first one is Moses. So we have Moses in Exodus uh, 33. God comes to him and says, look Moses, I've promised you all this stuff. I've promised you that you're going to go into the, um, the promised land. The promised, uh, that you'll have a land flowing with milk and honey, the law. And I'm a man of my, my word. So I'm going to give you that. I'll send an angel before you to drive out anyone that's there. You'll have, you'll have the works that I have promised, but I'm not going to go with you. Now bear in mind that, that Moses and the Israelites have been in the, the, uh, the desert for, for flipping ages by this point. Um, and they had been in slavery before then. So that's a very tempting offer. You know, you can have everything I've promised. Everything that God has promised you, you could have right now. But God's not going with you. And, and Moses does this amazing thing where he turns around and says, he goes, if you're not going, then I'm not. Don't send me. If you're not going there, God, I'm not going. And that's all great. I love the promises you've given me. I love that, that you want to do that. But the most important thing to me is you. I want you. Moses sought God personally rather than just the works he was doing. The second is, is Elisha. Um, Elisha was, was a, a mentoree to Elijah, one of, one of the great prophets. And Elijah's coming to the end of his days. He's coming to the point where he will be taken up into heaven at, at, at any moment. And basically, he can't get rid of Elisha. He is on his tail like that, just following him around. And it happens a couple of times where Elijah's like, look, I'm going to Jordan, you can stay here. He goes, well, if you're going, I'm going. And he trots off after him. And finally, Elijah turns around to Elisha and says, right, what do you want? What can I give you before I go? What do you want? And he goes, I want double, double portion of your spirit. You see that spirit of God you've been carrying for, for all these years? Yeah, I want double that. 
So Elijah goes, right, okay, if you can see me, if you see me physically while I'm taken up to heaven, then you'll get that. And so later that day, they're walking along, and suddenly a chariot of fire comes between Elijah and Elisha. And at the very same time, a whirlwind takes Elijah up into heaven. So can you imagine the scene, like a flaming chariot, that's like a flaming Bugatti Veyron coming flying across the room. And in that moment, Elisha's going, concentrating so much on, I want the Spirit of God, I want that relationship you've had with God, I want that, I want that, I want that. He doesn't, he doesn't look away from Elisha, he sees Elisha being taken up in a whirlwind. As the Bugatti Veyron is flying past, he's still looking at Elijah. I was firmly fixed on that. It's an absolute beautiful moment where Elisha goes, sees, he sees this amazing thing, but the thing that's most important to him, the thing that is most important and is driving him onwards is that spirit of God. I want that connection with God. I want to know him personally. So that's, that's my prayer for us as G2, that, that we get to know God personally, that we sit in his presence, that we seek his face, that we seek his favour. Because the potential that can come from that is, is just staggering. So if the bands want to come back up, we're going to sit and worship for a while and in prayer and respond to this. Um, as just a bit of encouragement uh, I don't know what your background was in church I don't know how you were brought up um, and what it, what it looked like etc etc but let me tell you a bit of how I was brought up um, I grew up in a church in Northern Ireland where you sung from a hymn book you got up and you sung uh, the hymn 215 and you up, stood up Sing, sit back on again. So when I came to England and started coming to G2, it creeped me out a little bit that people started raising their hands. I've got to be honest, it creeped me out. I'm, I'm, it's, I'm not used to that. Some people have grown up and that's completely normal. I have not. It still creeps me out a little bit. I'm going to be honest. But last year, I was thinking, um, and it, it probably helps that I've got a girlfriend that loves worship, so I'm probably a bit biased. Um, but I look at people like, like Frey and look at people like the Finns and the way they worship just, it, it amazes me. I look at them and go, whatever you're, whatever you're doing, whatever you're worshipping, I want some of that. It, it looks incredible. Whatever, whatever is going through your mind, whatever that is, it looks incredible. So last year, for the first time ever, I raised my hands in worship. Um, and there's something quite amazing about that physical physical act of raising your hands. I'm gonna, I'm gonna set the microphone down so I can show you this. But this right here, this is vulnerable. I, I am completely vulnerable. Standing here right now, it's even worse, I close my eyes. I am completely vulnerable to whatever happens. And in my spirit, in my emotions, I am vulnerable. If, if you think your body and your mind is... is disconnected it's not this is vulnerable so I'm standing here for the first time last year sometime singing to God with my hands in the air first of all I feel weird <laughs> this this is a strange thing I have not come across this is a strange thing so I'm standing here praising God's going 
oh my word, I look like an idiot. <laughs> but something in me, in that, in that, that joining between the physical and the, the emotional and the spiritual of vulnerability, I, I've, I haven't quite experienced anything like it. If you've never raised your hands in worship, if you think it's a bit weird, so be I, don't worry, try it. Honestly, try it. We worship God with our bodies and not just our mind. This opens you up to so much more, not just, not just physically, but, but spiritually. You let yourself open up, subconsciously maybe even. But if you've never tried that, honestly, I, I advise trying. It's the same with being on, on your knees, on your knees in prayer. That physical act of God, I am praising you, I am praying you, I am on my knees in front of you. It really helps you draw into the presence of God. That's personal experience from me. But guys, I don't really know what this looks like. I don't really know what, what it looks like when a church, um, when we all actively seek the presence of God, what happens when we sit in our meetings and the Spirit of God is moving through us so powerfully that we cannot stand. I, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what it looks like when we're all individually in our, in our rooms um, for hours on end, praying to your father. I don't know what that looks like. But I'm sitting here as a young kid that has a glimpse of that, and I want that. I want that as a church. I want that collectively. I want to stand with, our, with my brothers and sisters here, with my family, and be like, we are chasing God together. We are seeking his favor. We are seeking his face. I, 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 I just don't know what it looks like. And maybe you do, maybe you've seen that, God, but, or guys, but... Can, can you all stand with me in this? Like, I think this is, this is a, a, a real significant time for our church. Um, when Christian spoke on the lean-in thing, I think it is so significant for us as we grow. That our foundation is firmly set in the presence of God, firmly guided by his, by his spirit. I think it is so vitally important. So as we, as we worship God here now... I, I, I just like plead to you let yourself go reckless abandonment reckless abandonment into the presence of God and be God I am here do with me what you will that is a terrifying prayer to pray but, but I, oh, it's just so important I can't even convey it so just let me pray and then we're, we'll, we'll go into worship now God, we thank you that the most important thing to you is the relationship that we have with you, that you desire nothing more than us to love you. God, I pray that as a church that, that your spirit guides us, that our foundation is firmly in you. God, I pray that we discover what it truly means to sit in your presence, what it means to truly worship God, I pray that your spirit comes now and, and it changes lives. God, I pray that it breaks out in ways that we can't even imagine. We don't know what it looks like, God, but we, we, we stand here and we want more of you.
So God, accept our praises as an offering of, of ourselves.